electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, put days like today in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CNBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. I'm always telling you that nobody ever made a dime panicking because the market does a very poor job of taking care of sellers who want to exit all at once. In fact, sellers who exit en masse get hurt the house of pain. much worse than buyers who try to come in at the same time. Just like a route at a stadium, if everyone tries to leave all at once, well, you know what happens. The asymmetry is well known to professional money managers, although that might surprise you given how often these guys come on, and come on our air to foment panic. Hey, what's that about? I also like to remind you that even in the ugliest environments, good things can happen. And that's why it's important to know your stocks and know your companies. Otherwise, I know you're going to get swept away by your emotions because that's the way people are. And if you let other people sway your emotions by their actions, you tend to sell at the bottom. Like last week when the billionaire bears came out all negative. And now you got no stock left when we have fabulous days like today where the averages explode, Dow gaining 565 points. S&P jumping 1.89%, NASDAQ rising 1.78%. Make no mistake about it, today was one extraordinary day, one one that almost no one predicted. We looked at the Fed in the rearview mirror, we liked what we saw, chairman who knows he's got a winning hand on all the big inflationary points, and a treasury auction, thank you Josh Frost, schedule that could help create some equilibrium in the long end of the bond market, which is where we've been getting killed, and therefore that moved over and sent a tsunami toward our stocks. With that setup, Treasuries calmed down, long-term interest rates retreated, and for the first time in ages, what feels like mortgage rates could finally tick down. And that produced totally unexpected rallies in two groups that were just from Hades, the banks and the home builders, arguably the worst stocks out there in the last few weeks. And the ripple effect from strength in housing tended to reverberate throughout the rest of the market, including the pathetic retailers. Went from having a narrow rally earlier this week to a blockbuster broad one. But I don't want to overthink that. To me, this market's boarding out, but it's the strength of the earnings of the Magnificent Seven that stands out because they were the ones that were really crushed last week when the selling was at its worst. And everybody I saw come on air, maybe you know someone who didn't, told us that these stocks were sales or shorts. Because many of these companies reported right into the earnings blast zone, their stocks got hit regardless of what they said. Remember, soaring rate backdrop caused us to look at the stocks as a losing asset class, and these stocks were therefore, by their own size, the biggest losers. Many of us have now worked their way all the way back, and then some, uh, way off the ridiculous lows caused mostly by after-hour sellers who either were trying to knock the stocks down because they were short and they wanted to foment negativity, or they were just simply first-class idiots who didn't know anything. 
I want to go over these, their trajectories, each one, one by one, to show how much a mistake it would have been if you had sold with them and everybody was panicking. First, let's start with Amazon, which fell from 128 to 117 after imported. Why did people sell? It's actually hard to even remember why they sold, because this was almost a perfect quarter. I think that some sold because Amazon Web Services was merely stabilizing and not accelerating. I told you that was ridiculous, that it was actually ready to accelerate. Amazon stock has come back when people realize, wait a minute, web services was stabilizing and ready to roar. I have no idea why the herd initially thought anything else was happening. Too many people wanted out at once. The downdraft in Amazon was caused by your panicked fellow shareholder who knew nothing. They knew nothing! Except to follow the herd. And now the stock is roaring well above where it was. Meta platforms. It reported an amazing quarter, but people freaked out about one comment that advertisers were pausing their advertising because of the war in the Middle East. But if history's any guide, we knew this would be a temporary pause. Sure enough, a few days later, Pinterest said they had the same problem, but the ad buyers are already back. Meta stock initially fell from $312 to $287, but it's now come back to $310. And we're no longer afraid of a slowdown in advertising. How about Alphabet? It missed on its uh, Google Cloud one line, missed by $221 million. The stock fell from 138 to 122. It lost $221 billion in market capitalization on a $221 million miss. Makes sense to you? Not to me. It seemed extreme. No wonder the stock's come right back. I mean, it's actually very, doing very well, but they told the story in a sophomore prolix way. Too bad. Caused a lot of panic. Hire me. I'll do the call. Then you bring me. Let me come back to the show. Tesla. This one's harder. Tesla missed like the, they all did in the electric vehicle business, but if they all miss and Tesla maintains its market share by cutting price, then the consumer will keep loving its brand, even if the margins won't be as good as they used to be, which is why the stock's coming back slowly but surely. Next, NVIDIA falling from 493 to as low as 403. On what? A-I-N-W-E. It's A-I and then E-N-N-U-I. China orders out several years that are uh, that our government's canceling. Well, yeah, that that hurt it because. Uh, but you know what? There's so much demand for any of the chips that were canceled that were going to China that I think the company will be able to resell them in this country for higher prices. So it dropped more than 90 points because of potentially better sales and gross margins. And of course, yes, indeed, a terrible chart. Crazy. No wonder the stock's working its way back. I say own it, don't trade it. But you know what? I got in trouble for saying this before on Twitter or whatever. I said, look, if you want out, go ahead. That was an interpreter saying Jim Cramer says short NVIDIA. But you know what? I think that's funny. Only Microsoft didn't get hit as it reported on almost perfect quarter. Still, the stock lost 12 bucks when the other mega caps got hit and they got put through the meat grinder. That's $89.2 billion of market capitalization that declined on nothing. Nothing at all except collateral damage and the pull of a bunch of ETFs. I think it's safe to say that the sellers missed out on a real buying opportunity. And worse, they created the opportunity themselves to get in. Now, Apple reported after the close today. It's more of the same. It delivered a top and bottom I beat that nobody cared about. There was some hair on the quarter, more than I have on my head. So the stock initially got hit in after hours trading and probably go down tomorrow. While iPhones are selling well, the personal computer business is awful. Though management said this should improve in the current quarter because of new product launches try to get them. I have, I can't. However, the weakness in non-iPhone hardware was offset by the strength in Apple's service stream that no one seems to care about because it's not tech. Up 16% year over year, much better than expected. I keep telling you the service stream is the future of the business. It will soon be worth more in revenue than everything else except the iPhone. Yet Macs, iPads, accessories all added up will not be as big as the service stream. If we do get a meaningful pullback here, keep in mind what happened to the rest of Magnificent 7. Remember, my advice on Apple has always been own it, don't trade it. That's why I tell the club. Uh, Two things you need to know. One is that there is absolutely nothing fundamentally uh, wrong about growth 
that you want growth in a company, but what you really want to do is growth by country. You have to take a look because India is coming on strong. Forget China. Think India is coming on strong. Oh, and those who laugh about the possibility of Vision Pro, and I hear the cackles all the time, listen to me, jokers. The first applications will be for businesses, not you. Everything from retailers trying to manage stores to healthcare workers trying to read screens. You'll think this thing's such a bargain if you're in the enterprise. This is the real deal. By the way, if you don't agree with me, shut up. There. I mean, can I be? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, like, you know, I have to keep it. I have to keep it pithy tonight. Here's the bottom line. Days like today remind you that you can't panic and flee from the entire asset class just because everyone else is doing it. Even if you went out, which isn't necessarily the right thing, you're going to probably get a better opportunity when the crowd is done hitting the payment. And that's it. So you say payment if you're from Philadelphia. You say payment for the rest of the country. And that's especially true for the high-quality stocks that we call the Magnificent Seven. You know what? I feel like taking calls. Just something I have, I have done uh, for 19 years. Deborah in California. Deborah. Hi, Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. I'm um, concerned about UPS stock. I've had a lot of it for over 20 years, and yeah. I don't know if it hold or sell. Yeah, I have to tell you, I am equally as concerned. I do not think it's being run right. It did have a bad uh, labor problem. So did the auto company, so I get that. But you know what? You know what the antidote is? FDX. Better company, lower valuation, by that. In case you needed a reminder, days like today show you that you can't flee from socks just because everyone else seems to be fleeing. Sometimes they don't know anything, which is why I was using very pointed language at the top of the show, Mom. I'm sorry. Well, man, money tonight. Are there big changes brewing at Starbucks? I'm sitting down with the coffee giant's new CEO, fresh off the earnings report, to go over the company's exciting new growth strategies, and yeah, this ginger chai. Then the beauty industry has been showing us the ugly side for most of the year. But could Elf Beauty, they add the F to the E-L, they got something cooking. Could that be the outlier? I'm digging into the story with the company's top brass. And don't we all know it is football season. And that means we got to talk DraftKings. So I'm going to sit down with the CEO, see if it's the right time to buy the stock. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Look at the stock of Starbucks Go. This morning, the coffee chain reported a spectacular quarter, a top and bottom line beat with fantastic same-store sales up 8% globally. Wall Street was only looking for 6.8%. Even China was better than feared. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Lakshman Narasimhan. He is the CEO of Starbucks. I want you to look at this story. The trust owns a big slug of it. Take it away. This is the most exciting time I can recall in years for Starbucks, and it starts on a terrific day at the stores. Think about it, Jim. Thank you, by the way, for having me on. Today's the day all our stores in many countries turn red. I started in a store at 6 a.m. The backdrop was red. The aprons were red. Today's the day we start holiday and we share the joy. And do you know the flavor for the season for us? Well, I just finished pumpkin, so give it to me. Pumpkin may still be available for you, but the flavor of the season, Jim, is gingerbread. Gingerbread chai, a big recommendation. I know you're a triple venti cappuccino with skim milk guy. You're going to try. It's pretty amazing. G- you do know my trick. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, gingerbread chai. And in some places, you've got to call it gingerbread chai tea latte. I get a lot of mail about this. Don't call it chai tea, but it's gingerbread chai. Okay, I wanted to start with that because you are a product guy and a person who knows what people love. But you also know what people love worldwide. That's why in many ways I think you're unique. You know what people like, say, in Italy. In Italy, can you imagine this? First of all, the genius of Howard Schultz. Um, He goes there, uh, sees the spirit of Italy, and he brings it to the US and introduces Americans to the routine of Italian coffee. Then we gingerly go back to Italy and he creates this temple the Milan Roastery. It's an incredible temple to coffee. And it's stunning the way it does. I went there and I was completely blown away by how good it was. Then we go even more gingerly saying, you know, maybe not. We've opened 20 stores in Italy. Do you know the number one skew there? The espresso. The espresso at a Starbucks in Italy. So if I go, if I have a Starbucks uh, in many different countries, I may find the best of what that country does at Starbucks. Completely. You know, we have, uh, we buy coffee from over 500,000 farmers all over the world. And uh, when you go to that country, you will find coffee from that country as well if they grow it. Now, let's talk China for a second. I know that you've done integration, backward integration with China in terms of roastery. And I think that's very important because a lot of people are saying, wait a second, China, I'm worried. But are, are the Chinese against someone who is by China for China? Well, first of all, China is a tea-drinking country when we went there in 1999. Harvard went there. He said, I'm going to commit to building the specialty coffee industry there. So what are we doing now? We are helping them grow coffee in Yunnan. We just opened this big factory. It's the best and most advanced, most green factory you can think of with a very advanced distribution center. It ensures freshness of products. And after 24 years, we've moved the per caps to 12 cups per person. (laughs) So think of it, Japan's at 280 and the US is at 380. If you go to Shanghai, it's somewhere between 100 and 150. And the reason it's that high in Shanghai is because there are 1150 Starbucks in Shanghai. And just so you know, I think there's potential in Shanghai for us. Can you double what you need, what you have in China and still not sate the market? We've only said that we would grow to 9,000 by the end of 25. And I'll tell you this, That is just a milestone. There are 3,000, you know, uh, provincial cities, as they would call it. We're only in 
500, going to 800 soon. There's a city in a, in a province called uh, Anhui. It's called Tongcheng. It has a population of 700,000 people. There's no Starbucks in there. And there'll be one in, uh, in 2024. That's incredible. So no. I think this is one where we can actually continue to grow. Well, you know, we have 440 stores in Huangzhou, and we only have 365 stores or so in India. Well, um, you're familiar with the Indian market. I mean, theoretically, once you convince people of how great triple ventes are, it could, that could, what, go 10x? I think to me, when I think about what we're saying internationally, you know, is the opportunity is really large. You know, we think that uh, we could be over 55,000 stores. You know, we're going to be opening three out of four stores outside of the U.S., but that doesn't take away from the opportunity we have in the U.S. Well, let's talk about that because people were, there were people who said, wait a second, they missed the number. I think you missed the number probably by 10 cups of coffee, eight, eight last time. But I care about consistency, and you know that. To me, the place that needs more Starbucks is the place where I always have to be in a line which is the United States. Can you solve that problem, a throughput problem? By the way, an ice problem for when I get my, my mid-morning or afternoon Starbucks. So, by the way, first of all, it's, I'm really glad to know that at 10 a.m. you're now onto ice. Jim. I have to. That's what the, all the younger consumers are doing, and I'm really glad to see that you're doing it too. Well, if you look at demand in the U.S., the demand in the U.S. is very strong for us, um, and we're doing everything we can to ensure that we beat it. Um, how are we doing that? Well, first of all, um, we are really investing in the operational foundation in our stores. And we've made great progress over the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. Fixing the processes, bringing in equipment like the portable cold foam blender, working and reworking you know, how we do drive-throughs, drive-through times right. coming down, and also working on staffing and scheduling. Now, you've been a restaurant owner, so you know how important that is. Oh, and if you just look at wages... And you look at hours, the average barista at a Starbucks today versus a year ago is making 20% more. What it's doing for us, it's bringing more stability into our operations. Our tenure is going up, has gone up 16% over the course of the last year. So by bringing stability, by bringing operating consistency and discipline in the stores, and by bringing in equipment and accelerating renovations, we're going to be accelerating renovations as well as part of our plan, But it doesn't take away from new stores. We're going to build new stores, too. And these stores are going to be purpose-defined. So by 2025, 40% of our delivery volume will come from delivery-only stores. It takes away that operation. You are going to do this. I thought that was in the agenda a few years ago. It seemed to have been left by the wayside. But COVID does a lot. And I think what we're doing now is you've got to appreciate that, you know, we're committed to doing this. And we're going to build purpose-defined stores here in the U.S. Plus in the U.S., you go to smaller towns and medium-sized towns, and you see the migration of people. We are not saturated in America, Jim. Okay, so Starbucks is... A huge position for my charitable trust, and one of the reasons why we, we do appreciate that, that of course, sir, of Thank course, you. is that we like the consistency of your actual numbers. Now, I want to be sure there was a sense from some of the analysts that you did lower your numbers from when we talked with your company last September. I think what you did was make it so that you have reasonable numbers that won't be in the way. Correct. I think what we've done is, first of all, we delivered this year at twelve uh, percent growth, fourteen percent without forex. Uh, with a 20% growth in EPS. That's for FY23. That was the top end of our range. Right. As we look into this year, FY24, our comps are 5 to 7%. Our growth is 10 to 12%, which is what we had said last year. And the earnings growth is 15 to 20%. 
we see a more balanced way to go because we clearly see opportunities with efficiency in addition right. to the growth. So it's a balanced way for us to essentially establish what the targets are for next year. Okay. Now, as I look long term, as I look really long term, what we want to do is set an algorithm out there. See, that's a okay. long term growth. We'll set expectations every year. And what we are building this company to, with the momentum it has, with the strength it has, with the power of this brand, is we're building a business that in the long term will have a comp of 5% or greater, right. will have okay. 10% or greater, and will have an earnings growth of 15% or greater. And every year we will set guidance as it comes. Okay, now those numbers are important for people, but you know what might be also important, and it might be uncomfortable with this, because you speak of we and you know partners, but you yourself, your background is unique for this. You are a perfect ambassador for a company like Starbucks. You're a person of the world. You have a great background. Can you just give us a sense of who you are to lead Starbucks? Well, first of all, my wife would be upset if I told you this, but I will. You know, <laughs> we are now in our 25th home in 30 years of marriage. And part of it is because we've had a very global career. Right. So we've lived all over. I come from India. Um, I've clearly, um, you know, I came here to this country with nothing. Um, two suitcases and a pressure cooker because my mother thought I wouldn't eat well. And, you know, it's a real privilege to lead Starbucks and to lead the 460,000 people from around the world. I've lived and worked pretty much all over the place. 19 years as an advisor and consultant. I went to PepsiCo for seven years, right. variety of different markets. I was at record for north of three years. And then from London, I moved to Seattle. The weather's similar, but, you know, this is an incredible but brand. You also seem to be as home with consumer packaged goods and coffee as also technology. You've got a bit of the technologist in you, and that's going to be very important, whether it be through throughput or what the stores look like or just kind of a staying on top of things. You know, our business is not just a physical business. It's also a digital business. We connect with our customers digitally. One of the things we announced today is, you know, we have 75 million customers that buy us over a 90-day period. But the number of people that we connect with is almost three times that. Now, what we have is a remarkable ability for us to actually advance that. So what we've said today is we're going to double the number of the Starbucks rewards members over the course of the But can you years. do that? Do you know that the consumer is strong enough to do that, the consumer worldwide? But, you know, if you see the growth rate in China, 22 million on Starbucks rewards, and it's grown double digits. If you look at the Starbucks Digital Solutions, which is our platform globally, we're building this platform globally along with our partners. They are coming to the app. They are coming to our rewards program, and it gives us a great base of knowledge and insights. Now, that's not just enough. As I get back into how we think about the partner experience and the customer experience, we've always been at the leading edge in always. terms of technology. Now, with this generational change that's taking place, we have sped up our launches of features. It's now every two weeks. Second, we are working with some of the technology pioneers on how we bring Gen AI into our business. You know, over the last five years, we built our own AI and machine language uh, platform, machine learning platform, which is called Debrew. We're going to power our deep brew with Gen AI to take what customers might think about right. in terms of products and trends, right. bring it into how customers order, help the barista build it, and then link it to marketing. So the marketing that we do basically closes the loop. We're doing that. In addition to that, we're working you know, with Apple products. In with a, Apple? In an innovation store, yes. Which, with, on, with, the, with the Vision Pro, which... 
No, with with uh, with a bunch of the actual uh, products that okay. you use, the, I, sure. the iPad, the iPro, and so on, in stores to help us improve the partner experience. Excellent. With Gen AI, we're collaborating with Microsoft. You know, we have a deep partnership right. with Microsoft for bringing them in. And um, on payments, we've been working with Amazon. And uh, so we're going to continue to extend the experience about how you walk off, you know, uh, without having to go through checkout and the well, like. Automated it's a sensational story. Now, are you satisfied with the reinvention as it's going right now? I think I am. I think we are ahead of plan on reinvention. Okay. And what we've done now is we've triple shotted it. So the triple shot reinvention, and by the way, like a Starbucks order, it's got two pumps. So the triple shot reinvention is about brand, elevating the brand. It's about digital, scaling and strengthening digital. It's about global. We just talked about the fantastic option for global. Now, but we need two pumps because it's a classic Starbucks order. So the first pump is efficiency. Right. We talked about the three billion efficiency program. And the most important pump of all is the partner culture. We've done a great job in terms of rolling out our mission, our promises, our values to our partners. We live our life through our partners and through their eyes. And so it's really important that we reinvigorate that too. All right, well, that's a great way to end it. That's Lakshman Narasimhan. He's the CEO of Starbucks. And now you, I will treat you to a gingerbread chai. Thank Apples. you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Coming up, their quarter had few blemishes to conceal. Should Elf Beauty make up a core position in your portfolio? Kramer's got the CEO next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Last night, we heard from Elf Beauty. That's the value-earning consumer's cosmetics brand with a beaten-down stock. They put a magnificent quarter, raised their full-year forecast significantly. You know I like this one very much. Sure enough, initially, the stock opened up 11%. But then it gave back all its gains. Finished up less than 4%, even though this was a great day for the market. What the heck's going on here? Let's check in with Tarang Amin. He's the chairman and CEO of Elf Beauty. Get better read on the situation. Mr. Amin, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thank you for having me. I like the facts. I don't care about the stock because the stock follows the facts. You have just come up with a statistic that I did not know. You are one of just five consumer companies that marked your 19th consecutive net sales growth 
uh, with, while averaging at least 20% sales growth per quarter. That's a remarkable figure. How is that possible, sir? Well, I'm so proud of the team. We've been able to achieve that type of growth really through focusing on three key drivers. First is our value equation, taking the best of beauty and making it accessible to every eye, lip, face, and skin concern. Second is our powerhouse innovation. We have a unique ability to take things that you previously could only find from prestige or inspiration from our community and bring them at these incredible prices. And a third is our marketing engine, where we have the ability to engage and entertain our growing community. And all three of those drivers work together and have propelled the 19 consecutive quarters of growth. All right, let's take number two head on. Uh, there's a, something that my whole office is buzzing about, probably the whole country is, which is uh, your e.l.f. lip oil. It's very typical. There's a lip oil right now in the market that's $40. Yours is at $8. From TikTok, everybody's heard of it. You're obviously, I think, uh, crushing the $40. How does this happen? Well, it's what we uniquely do. We always listen to our community, see what they're interested in. And you're right. They saw a prestige lip oil that was terrific, but at $40 really wasn't that affordable. So our unique ability to come out with that same level of quality, put our own elf twist on it, and $8, we can hardly keep it in stock. It has such a, been such a great hit. But you can, or it is available. I'm told it's not even available. It is. It's available. We can, we can get it. We, we, we bought more, and we're bringing more, more to market. Fair enough. Let's talk Target. Uh, I know Target has a, is right now challenged. There are some issues involving theft. There's some issues involving the consumer. But they do not seem to be impacting you. Why don't you tell the story about where you were five years ago with Target versus where you are now? Sure. So nationally, we're the number three brand with almost a 10% share. We've doubled that market share over the last three years. Even in this last quarter, we built 330 basis points of share. As good as that is, our longest standing national retail customer is Target. At Target, we're their number one brand with almost a 19% share. So it gives me a lot of confidence as we replicate the level of partnership, the presence we have at Target with other retailers we can, again, double our market share over the next few years. Let's talk about the value proposition here. Uh, candidly, my travel trust made a mistake. It left off the F and bought a Yell. Now, we bought it many, many years ago, but it's done a round trip and then some. Uh, I put some of the uh, of Elf product in my wife's shelf, where her Mac shelf, and turned the labels around, and she hasn't yet figured out that there's a difference. How is that possible that you can command, uh, that you can put out a product that's equal to a company that commands 10 times what you command, and no one seems to know the difference. Well, that's our unique strength. We've been around for 20 years, and we've honed that advantage we have in having the best combination of cost, quality, and speed, and how it integrates in with our innovation model to be able to offer that incredible value every single day. See, Trang, you know, I, when I read through the conference call, I found it quite annoying. I've known you for a long time. You're a man of your word. You continue to beat the numbers. There's so many people in that darn conference call who keep thinking it's the last one. You had to explain over and over again, well, look, there's many more targets out there. You threw out Walmart. No one even paid any attention to that. Isn't it possible, given Walmart's price point, that you could have a similar share to Walmart that you have a target? Absolutely. I believe that every single place we're at. In fact, if you if you plot the trajectory of any customer that we enter, it follows a very similar trajectory of Target. So I'm highly bullish that we can double our market share over time. We have huge opportunities. Uh, Ulta Beauty recently took their space up on Elf. Walmart has been a terrific partner. The Drug Channel, we're continuing to expand our distribution. And then internationally, that's relatively new for us, but our international business was up 157% in the last quarter, primarily on two countries, Canada and the UK. So we have 
tremendous amounts of white space in color cosmetics, skincare, international, and a lot of room for growth. Yeah, but that's what I thought. I mean, to me, your model works pretty much everywhere because your model is up against Estee Lauder. Estee Lauder is the price setter. You can come in rather dramatically under them. I respect tremendously what Estee Lauder, the franchise they've built. But frankly, it's not sustainable at these prices. Your prices, I think some people feel, aren't, sus- are, aren't sustainable at this low. I see no reason why you can't keep your prices low the way they are. Now, I believe the same thing. And in fact, that's what our mission is. Best of beauty made accessible. And we take great joy in being able to bring that value to our consumers. And it's resonating in terms of our market share and our overall growth. Do you have data that would indicate how much you spend as a consumer product company uh, on actual advertising versus organic and innate because people love you versus what the typical consumer packaged good company spends? Yeah, well, we, you know, we've been taking our marketing levels up. We were at 7% of net sales a few years ago. We're now up to 21% in the latest quarter. And the reason we do that, it's working. But the great mm-hmm. advantage of ELF is we don't actually ever have to make a comparison on our products. Our community does it for us. They go on TikTok and they say, I tried this lip oil. <laughs> it's $8 versus a prestige one at 40 I actually like the ELF one better. And so that really, that love that we have from our community because of what we're able to deliver every day, I think, continues to propel our growth. Well, I think right now, as I saw today, as a, as a former trader, I think people wanted to knock you down. Uh, there are people who continually believe this has to be the last good quarter. I guess I look at it the opposite way. I saw what happened to Estee Lauder over multiple, multiple years. You've got multiple, multiple years ahead of you, sir, particularly because you offer, you offer value. That's right. That's right. We not, not only do we offer value, I feel we offer a set of values that resonate with our community. Total agreement. Quality. Total agreement. That's Terang. I mean, you, sir, I always love when you come on the show because you, you offer a premium product for a much lower price. That works in every country in the world. F Beauty Chairman CL. Always come on. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Everybody's back into the break. Coming up, it's game day for DraftKings, and their earnings report has the stock on the move. Is it time to give Daily Fantasy a sporting chance? Stick with Kramer. This week, all sorts of companies with beaten down stocks have taken back control of their own destiny by reporting fantastic numbers. Take DraftKings, which just delivered a major revenue beat with a smaller than expected loss, it's a spectacular guidance, including an excellent outlook for next year. These guys make a lot of money. And that's why the stock's worrying after hours, even though it already shot up 6.4% earlier today. Could this be just the beginning? Oh, wow. Let's take a close look with Jason Robbins. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of DraftKings. Mr. Robbins, welcome back to Mad Money, and congratulations on that great quarter. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. A lot of hard work from the team and uh, really great to see the results. I know your team and it is fantastic. I want to ask you, there's got to be some real value, not just titular value, but real value in that you are the number one U.S. online gaming company now. You know, that's something that uh, recently we saw in, in an Eilers report. Um, very you know, proud, but also realized that it doesn't mean anything if we don't continue to, to build on the momentum that we've generated. So, you know, team uh, team enjoyed that. But also we, we get it. Um, you know, if we drop back down then it doesn't look like much. Um, so Understood. we've been telling the team is let's make it let's make it a milestone, not a peak. All right. Then let's think about this. Uh, I need to know how you went from almost a billion dollars in losses to guiding for $400 million in adjusted EBITDA in two years. 
Yeah, pretty, you know, I don't know how many companies have had a turnaround like that. Um, but, you know, again, I think just a lot of great work went into it. You, you look at quarterly results and, and sometimes it, it doesn't always seem apparent, but it's usually years of work that go into generating that. And last year was really our year of efficiency. We're still very focused on efficiency this year, but last year was the rallying cry is, you know, we got to get more efficient and really got the team to buy into you can actually grow revenue faster. You can do better for the customer by being efficient because efficient doesn't just mean cutting costs. It means really figuring out where the value is created, actually increasing investments in those areas and cutting back where you're wasteful. And um, that's really just been a mantra our company's embraced. And I think we've realized that the growth isn't, you know, in spite of the, the focus on cost cutting efficiency, it's actually because of it. And I think that's been a very powerful realization for the team. Well, from uh, that we see internally that we just learned from you. Externally, as a user, I see an interface that just gets easier and easier for me to play. Uh, you know I like Daily Fantasy. I did that because I used to have a program with you. I have to tell you, for those of us who are not doing as well in your fantasy league or don't know what to do, for 5 bucks you can make 90 bucks. Tell us about DFS because I think that's the most exciting thing you got going on Sundays. Well, I actually personally prefer DFS over any of the other products we have, so I'm with you on that. I know that the mass is probably like the betting products better, but I love fantasy because you get to play against people. I play against my co-founder, Matt. He actually really was crushing me last year, and this year I'm up on him, so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. He's a tough one. Um, he, he's a, a really good uh, fantasy player, so uh, I, I studied hard and worked hard, and now I got him, I think, this year. Uh, I but, know, Matt. I didn't you know, know that. It's a fun thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I'm king, just so you know. I mean, I'm a shark. That's what they call me. <laughs> well, the only time I ever played you, you beat me. Yeah, so well, I, no I, kidding. I don't know. I'm a little afraid to play again. Uh, I, I, think it, <laughs> I think that's the right attitude. All right, Texas, Florida, California. What do you think? Possible coming up? Those are big states. Yeah, you know, those are obviously the really big remaining prizes in sports betting. If you look at, you know, it's roughly about half the population is of legal sports betting and almost half of that is in those three states. So, um, you know, the big ones are always the toughest. There's a lot of interests in a lot of different parties and, and, and they are each a little different, um, you know, actually very different. But, uh, I, you know, I think that if you look at the overall trajectory of momentum, I believe it's just a matter of time. Uh, ultimately, the consumer wants to be able to play on DraftKings and, you know, be able to do it in a state where, you don't live and, and then just go back to your home state it sort of feels weird for people. And I think the more that people experience it and realize that it's fun and, you know, are clamoring for their own state to do it. And the more that you actually see the success of displacing the illegal market, protecting consumers, generating tax revenue, the more I think it's just going to become a close to every state thing. So it's only a matter of time, but obviously the path is never linear and we're, we're going to work hard in those states well, to try to get our products in front I'm of the customer. You, you talked about something that I think is illegal, that you're fighting. I see sports books that are really disguising themselves as fantasy operators and activating in states where sports betting isn't legal. I like fantasy because it's not real betting to me. It's just fun. But that is wrong what these companies are doing. You're fighting against it. Well, you know, I think when you have a, a, a phase like we're in now, which is overall a great thing where people are looking at how do we take an illegal market and, you know, do it the right way, legalize it, regulate it, tax it. Uh, inevitably, you're going to have some bad actors in there who try to sneak in and, you know, do things either uh, in ways that are misleading to the customer or not abiding by the laws or not, you know, paying taxes. Um, obviously, that's something that, you know, we've been 
very focused on making sure we don't do, and we'll leave it to the regulators to decide if they think that others are. But you know, we believe we're in one of the most competitive industries in the world. Um, seems like every year there's, you know, every second is the competition right. over. There's a new wave of competitors coming in. Um, and we love that. It's great for consumers. It creates great products. And, you know, everybody should be competing on the same playing field. And as long as that's going on, we feel like we can take on anybody. And uh, I think our results are showing. Well, that. I'll look forward to some uh, some more predictions, some news, perhaps when you have your investor day, November 14. Congratulations on a I, I disagree with you, by the way. I think you could be only in a winner take all, loser take none. But that's all right. You're a statesman. <laughs> I'm more of a, a guy who knows that I like DraftKings. Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Ben back here for the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, dang, time for the lightning round. Craig, time for Owen in Illinois. Owen. Hey, Jim. First time, long time here. Owen's Illinois. You. I love it. What's up? All right, this company just announced a $9.3 billion acquisition of another realty company. They just popped today with the lower interest rates. What are your thoughts on O-Realty for a long time investment? Okay, uh, I, the moment the deal came down, I happened to be on Squawk. I said, buy, 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 because I thought it was so buy, great. Buy, buy. And because I remember, buy, I remember buy, I told buy. David I really love that monthly income that they give you. I still think it's going to buy at 6.14%. It was a 6.56 when I did that, but I still like it. Let's go to Rory in Louisiana. Rory. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hey, Rory. How you doing, Rory? Booyah. Good, good, good. Thank you for asking. I've been a founding member from the new club and one before then. Yes. I have a question for you sure. concerning. I have a question concerning uh, a spun-off uh, stock from IBM it's called Kendrel. I like Kendrell. They report next week. I think that I think that Martin Schroeder's doing a pretty darn good job. I bet she does a good number. Fourteen bucks goes higher. Kevin in my home state, of New Jersey. Kevin. Big booyah, Kramer, you and your staff. What's happening, man? Where are you, where are you from in Jersey? Nearby? Yeah, I'm out here in Maplewood. I'm not too far from you. All right. Yeah, not my far. question is, uh, this stock reported yesterday. I went over the transcript. Guidance wasn't that great. But a 40% drop seems like overkill. Did I miss something? Or should I be buying into this weakness? CFLT. Confluent. You know, I got to tell you. I just don't think it was as bad as down 40. I went through it, yes. I mean, I, I wish they hadn't talked so positively at the beginning of the calls, like, hey, you guys think we're total numbskulls or something? But I will say, I don't think it was worth down 40. It's just not that bad a company. Wowza. How about we go to Gary in California? Gary. Hey, Jim. Long time yeah. listener, first time caller. I'm the member for the club. Thank you oh, for the good tips Thanks. for the Eli Lilly. Oh, yeah, we got that one. We, we nailed that one. It's good to nail something. Yeah. What's happening? What's I, have happening? A, I have a question on side time, S-I-T-M. Yeah, this is a tougher one. Um, this is one I'm going to have to say I need to do more on. It's another silicon-based company that you deserve a better answer than me just saying sounds fine. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, find out why this blockbuster drug may give Eli Lilly even more room to run. Next.
sometimes you have to look for the market's blind spots, things that it simply can't compute because money managers lack the relevant expertise. Often the market's biggest blind spot is in the world of blockbuster drugs. Wall Street frequently misses out on the best ones. That's why I think Eli Lilly, which club members know we have been behind almost forever, could have more room to run after the results we got today. Not for the overall quarter, but for Munjaro, its revolutionary diabetes and weight loss drug. They racked up $1.41 billion in sales. The analysts were looking for $1.28 billion. I believe those numbers, which propelled the stock $25 or 4.6%, will prove to be small potatoes because Munjaro still hasn't even been approved for obesity, even as it's already being used for that off-label, try to get some. <laughs> Why do I think it's still being underestimated? Because there are signs that this miracle weight loss drug could also lower blood pressure, prevent heart disease, deal with chronic kidney disease, stop sleep apnea and liver disease, and even help stop heavy drinking. Two drinks a night is heavy. That's huge. And there are probably more uses we don't even know about yet. But, man, I know from personal experience that Wall Street doesn't know how to calculate the future of a promising drug. Now, some of it's because of the work I do for the American Brain Foundation, which has been pushing hard for awareness for certain drugs, and for also the American Migraine Foundation doing the same. For, for example, Pfizer has Neurotech, something that can aid one billion people who suffer from migraine. It currently helps a minuscule fraction of those patients. Could be a gold mine if they simply spend the time and resources to raise awareness about Neurotech. Maybe they have too much going on at Pfizer to focus on making that the blockbuster that I know it could be. I also know Wall Street gets big drugs wrong because this is what made my career. In the mid-80s, Mrevacor was a drug developed by Merck. It was the first in a new class of anti-cholesterol drugs. They're called the statins. Oh, they're huge today. Everybody knows about them. Back then, no, no one knew. When I was working at Goldman Sachs, I spent a tremendous amount of time talking to doctors who specialized in heart disease. They made it clear that this thing could be huge. One of the doctors I knew asked me if I was aware that high cholesterol could be linked directly to heart disease. I, I said, oh, anecdotally, but at the time there was no substantive literature on the topic. The doctor said Harvard Medical School was all on Twitter about how Merck was working on something revolutionary. But when I went to the best Merck research analyst in the business, well, you know what he did? He laughed me out of his office, saying Mevacor was, at most, a $400 million opportunity, max. He didn't want me to be fooled by the hype. He also made a fool of me, but you know what? I'm used to that. Um, And there really wasn't much hype at all, so I don't know what the heck he was talking about. I was a fiend for Wall Street research back then. I got a big bag of it delivered from all different firms every Friday. Nobody was modeling a drug. No one was including it. It just seemed to be a tree falling in the woods. So I bought the stock of Merck hand over fist. Specifically, I bought call options to maximize my exposure. When the drug finally came out, it had a pretty good but not great start. That hurt. I bought more. But then the positive medical journal articles started coming out, and Merck couldn't make Mevacor fast enough. Neither, by the way, could Warner Lambert arrive with something called Lipitor. In fact, it got so heated that Pfizer actually decided to go buy Warner Lambert. Lipitor became the best-selling drug of all time. And I tripled my investment in Merck in less than three years' time and was able to leave Goldman Sachs and start a hedge fund. I think this drug, Monjaro, is going to be bigger than Lipitor or Umira, which is an AbbVie autoimmune disease treatment, which is now the bestseller. And, well, this thing, that just blew past Lipitor. Are those sales reflected in the models of the analysts? Well, let me tell you something. So far, only diabetes and baby obesity. As for the other indications, Lily's not getting any credit at all. I think there's so much more ahead, as I tell investing club members pretty much every day. So do not be tempted to take the game. And if it gets hit, then you have your chance, because this one, I think, could be the biggest drug of all time. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you. Like you're a man money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now.
All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 